safetyfm.com with Jay Allen. Changing safety cultures, one broadcast and one podcast at a time. Welcome to Safety FM, where we talk about safety that's truly inspired by you. Hello and welcome to Safety FM. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast has been brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They are consultants that want to help you get to the safety culture that you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. Hello and welcome to Safety FM. This is Jay Allen. On today's episode, we have Bob Edwards, also known as the Hop Coach. I had the opportunity to meet Bob at a workshop in Atlanta, Georgia. During that workshop, Bob really took a deep dive into something that he called learning teams. And on today's episode, I want you to pay real close attention to the hop coach, Bob Edwards, here on Safety FM. Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time. Hello and welcome to Safety FM. On the line today, we have... Bob Edwards, also known as the Hop Coach. How are you doing today? Good, good. And actually, a lot of people call me Tennessee Bob because that's um, where I'm from, Tennessee. So, um, yeah, I'm doing great. I appreciate uh, I appreciate you giving me a call here. Uh, we're in quite different time zones, I guess. Well, actually, no, that's a good part about it. We're actually in the same time zone. I actually kind of hide, and a lot of times I'm actually based out of the West Coast, but this week I'm actually in Orlando, so we're, we kind of got this to work out pretty well. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I was thinking you were out west. Well, and, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell the listeners, I had the privilege of actually spending some time with you a few weeks back in a, in a workshop, that a human and organizational performance workshop that took place in Atlanta that was hosted by you, um, Mark Justin, and Todd Conklin. And I have to tell you, I was really impressed with the information. And I, and I came to you right afterwards, and I was telling you that I was interested in you coming on. So I really do appreciate you do you actually coming on to the show. So I have to ask, and I have to ask, and I and I really just want to have a real good understanding on how did the journey start for you? I mean, when you first started kind of looking into some of this, how did your safety path start? Oh yeah, yeah. So so I'm, see, I'm not really a safety professional. I'm an engineer, right? So I, I guess I should say I'm an engineer. With uh, of course, I always try to be safe, but I'm <laughs> I'm an engineer, and I worked for a large company at the time. And uh, actually, my hop journey started with an argument between me and Todd Conklin because Todd had come to my site to do some training. And so I was at the time, I was actually in a safety role. I was a safety leader at the site. And an an event happened, and I had already kind of been a part of the punishing of the person who had messed up. And so I went to talk to Todd about it. He'd been doing some training at our site. And, And I was liking the training, but it was definitely different than how I thought. And um, when I explained to him the event and told him what we had done, I was kind of looking for affirmation. And he said, I'm pretty sure you just punished somebody for a human error event. And so the conversation began. <laughs> so that's, that's how my hop journey began. It was a challenge towards my old way of thinking um, where I was, uh, you know, someone had, had done something and it appeared they just broke a rule, but in fact, I didn't take the time to learn. And it, it was actually, a human error event and uh so it was about seven years ago something like that seven and a half years ago somewhere in that neighborhood i was gonna say so as as todd and i talked talked through this 
I started realizing that maybe some of the ways I was doing things wasn't actually helping make things better. So I got curious and I started learning and I started thinking and started changing and trying. And anyway, so that was the beginning of my journey was with an argument with Todd. <laughs> so when you start looking at that in particular, so you're listening to the answer that he has and he's telling you what his opinion and, and how it, what the things that he would apply to it. So how did this all of a sudden pique your interest in regards of saying, well, maybe I'm looking at this in a different way than what I should be? Because I think I saw the, the, we say this all the time now, but I think I saw, in this case, the, the person who had messed up as a problem that needed to be corrected, to be, need to be solved. And as, as Todd began to talk to me about this event, he's like, Bob, do you think he came to work intending to do that? And I'm like, well, no, I don't think that. He said, then what, why are you punishing him? What, what are you fixing? What, what do you fix when you punish somebody when they do something they didn't intend to do? And they, you know, my mind is like doing like these little backflips. I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait, wait. He's and so, he, but he was right. And I, and he, he and I talk about this all the time. And a lot of times when we're training, we talk about it because we both remember standing in the hallway having this discussion at my site. And uh, he said, and what he said was, was, would you be willing to try to learn? And this was my very first introduction to what we call learning teams. Um, would you be willing to try to, to learn and see if there's more context to this? And in fact, it, 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 there was a ton more. So yeah, so I said yes, and we tried it out this uh, idea of learning teams instead of investigating, because we'd already done our investigation and the guy had already been sent home and was punished and were being punished, three days off, final written warning, all those things that we have in place, right? So we did the learning team and like, well, good grief, no wonder this happened. So there was all kinds of conditions that made it where it would be very easy for this to happen again. And so punishing this guy, matter of fact, this guy, when we did the learning team, of course, we had to bring this guy back in because we include the people that were there because it's not an investigation. It's really, they're the, they're the, the masters of the work. So let's bring them in and talk to them. So when he walked in the door, this gentleman who had messed up, his first comment was, Hey, I promise you guys this, uh, I'll never, I'll never do that again. And so Todd was like, I appreciate your sincerity on that, except I don't think you can promise me that you won't do something you didn't intend to do. And so needless to say, that was a very, very eye-opening week for me. And it was at the very beginning of um, my site, starting to look at this way of, of uh, sort of managing safety, if you will. And, uh, and it began to grow from there. I became really interested in, in all of this stuff and started uh, you know, training with Todd and, and training at different sites and, and, and reading and learning. And anyway, it just kind of has grown from there. And now it's what I do all the time, which is my favorite job I've ever had. <laughs> so for people that are not familiar with the term learning team, how exactly would you explain that to them? So it's, I would just say, if you, if you started by saying, this is a weird way to explain something, but if you said, let's say what a learning team is not. Learning team is not an investigation. We don't separate people out. We don't try to get people's witness statements, eyewitness statements. We don't try to find one true story. What we do is we just, when some event happens, it can be a safety event, it could be a quality event, it could be an operational upset, um, and we want to learn about it. We pull people together that are very knowledgeable of the work, and many, if not most times, it's the people that were right there when the event happened, and we just simply learn everything we can about the work conditions, about the pressure, about the 
about the uh, information that was flowing, the tools and equipment they had. And so what we're doing is we're trying to look at the, the, the overall sort of lay of the land, if you will, the holistic look at what work looked like when this event happened. And what I tell people all the time now, because you know, I've become, this has been, this has become quite, quite a fun journey for me to be able to do so many of these things. Is my goal is, as I coach these learning teams, is to pull these masters of the work together, learn, learn from them, be curious, ask questions, and until I reach a point to where I can look at them and say, I get it. I think I'd have done the same thing. Because if I'm still saying to them. I wouldn't have done that. I mean, I think that's still some of my hindsight bias in a way. So the learning team really does help us understand the context of work and the kind of situation that's out there that leads to that type of event. So it's a lot less focused on the actual event itself. Matter of fact, the event is a lot of times not even that interesting. It's kind of obvious. It's way more about the context of the work um, around that event. So you being a person that has shifted your mindset in regards of how you looked at things in the past and how the, the way that you look at things now, how difficult is it for people and organizations to change from let's investigate what occurred opposed to let's learn on the work environment? So it's the Six Sigma answer. It depends, right? I mean, it, it's totally... I mean, it's like person by person, conversation by conversation, site by site, leader by leader. Some people embrace this very quickly. I, I think that I embraced it fairly quickly, quickly because within a couple of weeks, I was starting to make all kinds of changes in the way I was doing stuff. I think partly for me is that I was doing what I'd been taught to do and hadn't really stopped to take time to think about it. I just simply did it. I knew sometimes that when I was doing it the other way, like, punishing people. I, 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 I cut a guy in a scissor lift that didn't have his ball protection on correctly. He, he had the leg straps hanging loose. And when I called him down, I, you know, I told him what he was doing wrong. And he said, Oh my goodness. He said, I just came off a break. I said, I'm sorry, you have to go home. You're, you're getting sent home for three days, final written warning. And he said, Bob, I promise you, I wasn't trying to break your safety rule. I, I forgot. I just came off break. And I said, I'm sorry, you have to go home for three days. And as he left, I felt sick in my stomach. I'm like, I just doesn't feel right. But I'm like, well, no, firm, fair, and consistent. I gotta, it's the rule. I gotta follow the rule. But yeah, I think that when I heard this message, and I kind of, you know, had had, I don't know, had my my eyes opened a bit, I started to realize that 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 the way I was doing it before didn't even make sense. It was it was harmful to the person. It didn't help the situation. It didn't make things better. So I I think I changed fairly quick, but I can also tell you this, I'm six, more than six years into this now and still changing all the time. So I try to be patient when I'm working with someone that's having a hard time changing because, I mean, we've been doing some of this stuff this way for a long time. So sometimes people really, really struggle because they're like, well, wait a minute, we've been, we've been told to investigate. We've been told we have to find the root cause. We've been told all accidents are preventable. And so, I mean, we've had these mantras forever and big posters and billboards and so it's it's different everywhere i think and i'm trying to be i don't know i guess you should ask somebody that has been around when i've been helping to share this message i try to be patient because i had to change also and everybody changes at a different pace and some people won't change you know this right i mean some people are gonna i mean there's still people that that believe the earth is flat 
right? I mean, so, so some people will never change to any of this stuff, and, and that's, that's the freedom of choice. Um, and I'm not saying that a person that believes the older way is a flat earth society member, but I'm just saying, you know, we all, we all learn different things and we change as time goes on, hopefully. I still want to be set my ways. Like, I don't want to get set my ways now to where I'm not continually learning. I can tell you people like um, Annette Cleaver from Clorox and, and uh, Andrea Baker, one of our colleagues, uh, and Mark Yes. I mean, there's so many people that are always like coaching me and teaching me. And I, I, I hope I don't lose my ability to be taught because I think that's one thing that helps is to be teachable. So how do you feel that behavior-based safety was able to get us as far down the path as it did before people started to realize that maybe that wasn't the best way to approach things? Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I think this, this, there's some sites that do a lot of the observation stuff. And I, I, the thing I say to them is just try something out. But, you know, like, like some sites I think probably do way better at it than others. Some it feels maybe kind of punitive. Some it feels like they're out there trying to you know, learn and improve. Uh, one thing I learned from the, the some of the lean manufacturing folks that I've worked with in, in some of my businesses, um, not mine, but you know, the one, the company I work for, um, they said, why don't we start looking more for operator struggle instead of operator compliance? So even if a person's going out there to do their observation, if they focus maybe a little bit more on, hey, what is the operator struggling with? It might be a different conversation. So I think that, that behavior-based safety is you know is is done a lot of stuff and you know maybe there's ways to just keep keep growing right i mean back in the day we didn't even ask we just said you know i'm the manager you're the worker i tell you what to do i mean it's classic taylorism back in right that i'm smarter than you because i'm the manager and you're just the worker you go do what i tell you to do so we've come a long long way but there's still a lot of those things kind of hanging around so i think i think learning teams and anything that we're doing could be damaged by some of the old thinking that that you know they put in place at the turn of the century when they when the industrial revolution really kicked in heavy and we started putting people in these factories and making them work in terrible conditions. So I don't know. I think that that's you know, I just don't like to I don't like to battle it out with people. I just like to look and say, okay, what brings value and what doesn't? And so if, if you're doing good observations and you can expand that and grow that, then do it. If the observations aren't helping you much anymore, then try something new. Uh, if the learning teams help, use them. If they don't help, then don't. If if five whys, I mean, five whys is super linear, but it was better than what we had before, which was the one who, right? Who did this? So at least with five whys, we expanded our thinking, and now maybe we're expanding our thinking some, even some more. So when you're talking to someone that believes that we have to have a program in place, and it needs to kind of be like, I need to know how I do process one, two, three. Because a lot of the older mentality really kind of falls into those particular guidelines. How do you explain human organizational performance to them for them to comprehend that it's really not a program? Well, so it's, I mean, it's actually a really good question. Some companies actually have a hop program because they need a program. I, I don't give I have nothing shiny, right? I mean, it just, I have these, these five key principles that we all talk about that are doing this stuff, right? And you saw those last week or a couple weeks ago when we were doing our, our workshop. And um, it's those five principles. It's kind of like Deming's principles. You, you don't have to have um, a, a certain quality program to adopt Deming's quality principles. His principles were brilliant. 
And so these five principles that we've kind of taken from the, the nuke world and modified a little bit, made them a little more, I don't know, a little better adjusted for general industry. You know, the error is normal, blame fixes nothing, systems drive behavior, learning and improving is vital, and response matters. So you take those principles and you can apply them to anything. Your lean program, your Six Sigma program, your, right, your, your to the, anything you do, an ISO, quality programs, whatever. So I think people are seeing this for the most part as um, helping us to, to sort of improve the programs we have. But there are certainly some programs, I mean, some places that absolutely have, and they've done a brilliant job. I, like, I don't ever say what you should do. I just share this message and share some stories and teach some uh, sort of some methods around operational learning. And then people and companies can build what they want for their, for their organization. I think, I think that they would know better anyway than me. So I, if they need a program, I think, sure, put a program together. And what's really cool is some of the companies that have put programs together will absolutely share them. It's just the coolest thing to me to see competitive companies say here, well, no, don't, 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 you don't have to reinvent everything. Here's what we've done. Look at it. If it helps use it. So it's, um, it's kind of cool to see how so many people are sharing their stuff. The, the funny part is when you start having this conversation with people, and at least I can only tell you from my experience is when I start talking about this, they want to know what are we looking for in regards of timeline? So it kind of still has some of that old mentality of how, how quick can we change the culture to, to hop from behavior-based safety? So when you run into strange questions like that, what do you try to explain to them? So the most important thing to do is to try these things out, right? So when you, for example, we'll just talk about learning teams. So the learning team is a way to get better at operational learning, right? We talk about, you take a, about an hour with people close to the work uh, around some event or a concern or a near miss, or it could just be around some operational struggle. And you just learn and then you take a little soak time overnight if you can, and then you learn some more, and then you start to improve and you look for those team-led solutions. So there's a method, right? So then, it, and there's not a whole lot more structure to it than that. It's pretty simple. Um, and so I would just say, if you're interested in that, give it a go, give it a try. I think it's always smart to try things out and see if it fits your culture, instead of saying, well, we've got to have this all in place by the end of the year. Here's why we know that, because we've done a million of those, right? Six Sigma came through like a freight train. Everybody had to be a green belt or you had to find a job somewhere else. And so everybody's scrambling around. They're doing pro their, their projects that some weren't even that meaningful. I can't even tell you what my Six Sigma project was that I did <laughs> to get my green belt. And so and I'm not saying it's bad to do things that way. I'm just saying, let's not do this like those traditional programs where it comes through. We got to roll them out. We got to get it all in place. I think this is more about looking at these key principles, looking at the things we're already doing, maybe pulling a few things off of some people's plate. I think that's a really good idea. And seeing if some of the things that we're doing with, with, with HOP helps your organization get better. And take it easy, take it slow. Don't, don't, don't put some unrealistic timeline. I was at a site recently and they, they have a pretty high level EHS manager who said, at the test site for HOP, they said, he said, I want you to have 35 learning teams down by the end of the year. And the, the, the plant manager said, Bob, does that seem like a lot? We were thinking maybe 15. And I looked at him and I said, how about one? I mean, let's, 
let's not put those crazy metrics in place around this stuff like we have everything else because you know what happens we'll make the metric but we kind of lose sometimes we lose the real meaning behind it well see so i i don't think there is a timeline i think that different companies move at different paces um even within a company different groups will move different organ you know parts of that organization will move much faster than others you kind of have to take this at the rate you can absorb it um i mean it seems to be the best way to do this well and i think a lot of the issues that we run into is that a lot of times is that we look at safety as an outcome to be managed opposed to a to a process so i when i look in when i see those i just kind of sit there and go how do we shift their mentality of understand that it's not really a number on a report that's going to a board and it's more of a this is what we're trying to incorporate within our organization so when you look at that and you hear that and they start talking about well we need to manage a number because we have a report to report a board to report to and then when they start talking about well how would this tie into the safety management system how are you able to give those kind of responses well so we have metrics crap we have I mean, we've got metrics for everything, right? I mean, we we all kind of have say we've all kind of had that same uh, mantra of if you don't measure it, it won't get done, or what gets measured gets improved, or however you want to say it. Um, I would say this. I would say you have you already have metrics. Watch your metrics and see what starts to happen with them as you implement some of these ways of thinking. And and you can put some toll gates in place, some some goals like let's get our leadership trained. Let's get our frontline leaders trained. Let's try out some of this, the learning teams, or let's change our observation program to make it more focused on uh, operator struggle, or let's put in, in place meaningful pre-job briefings and post-job learning, you know, with our high-risk work or what, whatever you choose to do, right? And then, and then you can look at your metrics and see if the metrics still matter, and then also see if the metrics. You know, if they if they're changing, and and but be be aware that, like a site one site they they really did great with this stuff, and because they became so open and honest and were talking about stuff, their recordable rate went up, but their severity rate went down, and their workers comp went to like an all time low because they were finally able to talk about stuff. People would come forward with their issues and injuries because they weren't worried about. You know, we set in the million-hour clock out front, and uh, you know, so many days of injury, all that stuff. They weren't worried about that anymore. They were more worried about um, taking care of their people than they were about that metric. And so, but but then you got to be ready for that because that you you know you have a leader that their whole career has been, you know, the way I determine safety is by my injury rate, and now you're telling me my injury rate may go up. Well, yeah, it may if people aren't reporting. But guess what? They're still getting hurt. They're just not talking about it because you, you know, you've made it so punitive, or it feels punitive. If um, if I get hurt, so yeah, so it's it's a really interesting thing because I would say this whole thing is more of a movement. That may sound kind of like I'm a hippie or something, but <laughs> it, it feels more like a movement than it does a program. Even with people that companies that put a program in place, because. Because those five key principles can be applied to all of the things we already have in place right now, and it is a shift. It's a paradigm shift for sure for most most organizations and most people. Well, some people that don't truly understand HOP end up saying, "Well, it sounds like this is more of a 
when they're using the word program, that does not hold the actual employee responsible for what's going on. What would you say to those people? So I'd say accountability has changed so much in my thinking over the past six years. Um, it used to be accountability was, okay, who screwed up? Who did this? Who is accountable for this mess? Now, you know, and I've, I've heard all sorts of different things, but I'm a practitioner. I just go do this stuff. I just do this a bunch. And so it seems like to me what accountability is, is like, okay, let's say I messed something up. Well, then it, it's almost an easy button for you just to punish me and put me in time out or fire me. It's easy for you. It's hard on me, but it's almost like the easy button. The hard button is, is or the hard way to deal with this. And I'd say real accountability is if, if I messed up, then I got to also help straighten this out. I, I don't, I don't walk away from it. I'm like, no, I, I, you know, cause it's true. Some of this stuff happens and it's triggered by people making, you know, bad choices and, and, you know, shortcuts or whatever. Right. But they might have done it a thousand times and it worked out great, but then it didn't. And then now it's a mess. And so, wait, you don't walk away from the mess. We got to dig in and clean it up. And so there's accountability. And then if, if you have me working in a really tough environment where I don't have the right tools and I don't have the right time and, and whatever, then that's your piece of the accountability. So I think accountability changes from who's to blame as in, as in we did in the past more to, um, Okay, who all has skin in the game here that can help make this better? And I'll tell you this, I think that if I screwed something up and I help straighten it out, I help make it better, less likely to happen in the future, I think that's restorative. It not only restores the organization, if, if I really didn't mean to do this, now if I meant to do it, well then I'm a terrorist, right? <laughs> but uh, I didn't mean to do it, right? So if I didn't mean to do it, I already feel bad about it, but now I get to be a part of making this better. It helps restore me and the organization. I think it's kind of healing. Does that make sense? Oh, that absolutely. It makes sense because it seems and so. It totally changes the conversation around accountability. Accountability has a whole different feel now than it did to me, you know, seven, eight years ago. And let's reference that for a moment, if you don't mind. You referenced the the seven to eight years ago. So when you heard the message of hop for the first time and you said things changed and you you were learning more and more about it what all what all changes did you put into your life once you heard this message well so so like seven or eight years ago i was actually a safety leader at this large manufacturing site and i was very much kind of a safety cop and so then along comes this conversation we had that one that that one event i was telling you about where todd and i had the conversation and and when I went through that one, and then I saw the employees help come up with ideas to make it better, and I got to sort of experience it. So you know this, right? Experience is one of the best teachers ever. And, and I was, I mean, I was wrong in that situation. I blamed and punished a person who absolutely was a, he was a good worker and he made a mistake. And he even fessed up immediately and said what he had done. He didn't try to even hide it. And, I went right straight to punishment. So I know probably your listeners are going, well, crap, this guy's bad. But I mean, it's just who I was. I wasn't trying to be bad. I was just trying to, I was doing what I thought I was supposed to do. So after that experience, then within a, I don't know, a couple of weeks, uh, there was another one. Some other issue came up, another event happened and we did the same thing again. And so I experience after experience, and pretty soon I'm thinking, wait a minute, I don't 
think I want to do any more traditional investigations. I think this is better. You know, it's like when you see something better and you really do, like when I was a kid growing up, a lot of times we just, well, all we could afford was that uh, powdered milk. <laughs> Holy cow, it was terrible. <laughs> but at the time, we didn't even know it. It was the best we had, right? And that's what we had. Well, now I know what good, you know, good, well, I like good 4% whole milk, right? Let's, get, let's go ahead and be real about it. Um, so I don't ever want to go back to the powdered milk again. So it's the same thing here. When I saw this, operational learning approach versus the old investigation approach pretty soon within just a few months for me i don't think i did any more investigations i don't remember really doing uh, I, i couldn't even tell you if you made me uh how i was very few that i did after that that one that todd and i did together so how do you go from being the safe the, sa- the safety cop to all of a sudden being known as the hop coach Yeah, that was a good question. Well, I think I think for one thing, so I was at my site for 16 years. That that site, the the one that I where I first started getting introduced to this stuff at. Um, so I had, had several other roles there. I was a technical support leader. I was a maintenance leader. I was, I and mean, then I was in safety. But I, I think this. I really do think this, and I, I hope I'm not wrong about this. But but I, I mean, people. They they a lot. I mean, most people knew me in the plant. Uh, it's a pretty good sized plant, 1,500 plus people. But I think they also knew that I was sincere. So you, you know, if I think there's a difference between like being, being doing something wrong and and I, I don't know how to say exactly, but I, I think even though I was off track and I was a little too focused on punishment and and all that stuff, I think they knew I was sincere about it. I wasn't doing. I was trying really, really trying to not get people hurt. Does that make sense? So, because I mean, I, I would have people apologize to me even as I was sending them home, and and I felt just sick in my stomach. It's like this doesn't feel right, but I know I have to do this because we have to be firm, fair, and consistent. And and so I think they knew I was sincere. So when they saw me change, I do see this with people a lot. People are forgiving, and so when people saw me change, matter of fact, I had a quality manager at my side who came up to me in this initial training, and they said he said to me, Bob. You are not going to do well with this stuff. That's how opposite I was in my thinking. And he also knew I was very passionate about what I did, but I was just wrong. I refer to it as my road to Damascus moment, right? It's like, okay, wait a minute. I was doing what I thought was right, but I think I was wrong. And I actually, when I showed that I was wanting to change, people were were glad that I changed. And so I don't know. I think I think people will. Will forgive you and move move forward if you are genuine about it. Well, it, it sounded like more along the lines that you had the right atten- right intentions, but the wrong approach. At least during that particular time frame. Exactly, exactly. Because people knew this, they could count on me. Like they're like, if there was a problem, they call me. Man, I'd be out there. I bought the best PPE. I bought. I mean, what was was it? Yeah, as a safety person at the time, I and mean, that was my my few years there as a safety in an actual safety role. I poured myself into it. I don't think that people would say I did it, and I just kind of hung out and didn't really do much. I mean, I really poured myself into it. But I think you're right. I think I had the right intentions, but the wrong method, the wrong approach. But it's what we were all taught. I mean, we were all taught about how to do these audits. We, I did an audit one time, and I'm a maintenance guy, and then I was a maintenance manager. I was at an audit at a site, an old factory, and they said, "Don't walk past a single." You write up every single electrical finding. I said I'll have five thousand by noon. 
I will, I will completely swamp this. This maintenance team will have, they'll never get out from underneath what I can find. I'm not bragging. It's just, it was an old factory. Anybody with any experience in maintenance can find thousands of things wrong. But that was the old way that they taught, right? You go in, what they call it, the seagull effect, right? You swoop in, you do your audit, right? Kind of like a seagull, swoop in, crap on them, leave, right? And there they are with all these things that they got to go do along with, oh, by the way, they got to keep the factory going. But that's how we were trained to do audits. Come in, don't help them fix anything, but go in and tell them what they're doing wrong. On this journey, for example, as we started questioning more, we changed our audits. So I was on part of an internal audit team. We would go in for two and a half days and audit and then take two and a half days and help them fix everything we could. Order labels for electrical panels, check their, help them check their fire extinguishers, help them rewrite JSAs. I mean, it was amazing the change that happened. When we would leave at the end of the week, they would have a handful of things to do and we would have helped them get better. That came from our challenge, from challenging the way we were doing stuff. So now an audit, we actually had plant managers asking us to come audit because we would come in, find problems and help them fix. And that's definitely that's de that's definitely a different approach from what has been done in the past. And just listening to you hear that. Exactly. And we exactly. And we liked it so much that then we started to ha have our third party safety audit team that would come in. Their scope of work said, guess what it said? Your first two and a half days are to find problems. Your second two and a half days are to help us fix it. That is now, awesome. we just unlocked something amazing. These auditors, they travel the world. They have seen so much stuff. And one of them, his name is Peter. He was awesome. At noon on Wednesday, he said, can we start helping to fix now? He said, I've never been asked to help fix. He said, I got a million things that I've got ideas that I can help you with. And it was, it was just incredible. And that came from us saying, like Deming said, we're so busy working, we don't stop to improve. So we stopped to improve. And in doing so, our audit turned into something that people actually weren't, you know, weren't freaking out because here we came and we were actually looking forward to us. Now, Bob, I have a question real quick. If people are interested in learning more about you or they want to book you to their organization, what would they need to do? Oh, so I have a website. It's uh, um, hopcoach.net and uh, my contact information stuff's there. And um yeah, so they can, they can hide. I'm easy to find. I mean, I, I don't want to get in trouble with the law because I couldn't hide. <laughs> I'm easy to find. So, so just, if you just type in Bob Edwards, Hop Coach, you know, and my number's there, my email's there. Um, and uh, yeah, just give me a holler. Glad to, glad to help out. Well, the other great thing and about it know, is like that. You, I'm so is glad it, you came to the. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I said the other great thing about it, the, the other great thing about it is that your actual calendar is on your website. So if people want to know exactly when they can book you, they can see it right there in a living color. Yeah, yeah, it, that's my, uh, I have to credit my son-in-law for that. He said, Dad, you got to have a better website, web presence. So he put that together for me. So it makes it nice where people can can uh, look it out into the, you know, if they see some dates they want, they can just grab them and, and it'll send me an automatic email. and. Uh, and then I really, I was so glad you came to the, the workshop. Um, did, did you like the way that it was like three separate days so a person could come to any one of those three? Because we kind of have evolved over a couple of years we've been doing these uh, to try to make it to where day one was like fundamentals, day two was learning teams, day three was workplace fatalities. Um, what do you think about that? Did that that seem to make sense? Oh, I thought it was a great idea because you had options. So it wasn't like you were you were stuck going to a workshop for all three days. If let's say, for instance, you already had 
two out of the three items or one out of, or one out of the three items you had the option on what you wanted to change to. i thought it was i thought it was an excellent idea i love the way that it was actually handled and everybody had such different stories on how they got to this journey and their their different approaches so it, i mean between the the stories and i have to tell you the learning team portion that you covered it was a full day but there was so much information in that day of the workshop not that there wasn't information on the other two days but just seeing that eye-opening event to a lot of the participants that were there of going wow this really makes sense and the guy that was at the table in front of me i think his his table ended up having like six sheets of worth of information and this was kind of like just a a made-up scenario so i was just impressed on how he was gathering the information so quickly and how it was really just clicking its way through to him. And it was fun, right? And it's, it's super interactive. I have, I always have a blast with that because it's uh, everybody gets to, to kind of try this stuff out, see, see what they think, right? It's a great place. Like you can, you can mess up in there, and it's no big deal because it's just a scenario. I mean, it's just a simulation. It's not, you know, an actual event. Well, actually, it was an actual event, but we just kind of built it into our training and added and adapted to make it, you know, more fun. But yeah, so good. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you, first of all, I'm glad you came to it and, and really glad that you enjoyed it. We really enjoyed doing them. And so we, you know, we're always looking for for feedback as to whether, you know, we this new approach is good or better or, you know, I'm glad you liked it, the way we've got it set up. And it's so much fun to work with Todd and Mark. And Andrea was missing from that one, but she did the last one with us. And so she'll be at the next one. And so um, it's it's uh, fun working with uh, with the three of them. It's a... Uh, quite an honor to to be able to hang out with him well bob i appreciate you coming on to safety fm and thank you for, for being on today yeah yeah no problem the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Join the fun on on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM.